Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So what's the deal with the satanic theme running through your album? You add up the uh, running times for The World Has Turned and uh-huh. uh, Buddy Holly, and you get 666. Did you... Was that intentional? Yeah. Um, no, it wasn't. Hey, I'm BJ, and you're listening to the first episode of Weezer, Day by Day. Rivers Cuomo and Justin Fisher were high school friends who performed together in cover bands in Connecticut throughout the 80s, and eventually they put together their own progressive metal band. Rivers Cuomo actually took guitar lessons from Fate's Warning guitarist Jim Matthews. They called their band Avant Garde, 
after Cuomo saw the phrase in an airline magazine. Avant-garde consisted of Rivers Cuomo on guitar, Justin Fisher on bass, Kevin Rydell on lead vocals, Kevin's brother Eric Rydell on guitar, and Bryn Much on drums. In the summer of 1987, Rivers Cuomo attended a summer program at the Berklee College of Music in Boston, and it was there that he met a guitar player from Texas named Michael Stanton. Cuomo and Stanton quickly became friends and spent hours together composing dual guitar solos. After the program at Berkeley was finished, Stanton traveled back with Cuomo to Connecticut and stayed at Cuomo's house, and he sat in with Avant-Garde for a performance in Massachusetts. In December of 1987, Avant-Garde recorded their first demo tape at Trodnossel Studios in Wallingford, Connecticut, known as the Blue Demo. It contained the songs Tongue of Fire, I Must Be Dreaming, and Black Rose. The band went back to Trodnossel in July of 1988 to record a second demo, known as the Purple Demo. Less than 50 cassette copies are believed to have been produced. In a matter of weeks, the demo was in heavy rotation on WHUS 91.7, the campus radio station at the University of Connecticut. Avant-Garde would play some shows throughout 88, and that same year, Michael Stanton relocated from Texas to Connecticut and joined the band full-time, replacing Eric Rydell on guitar. Throughout January and February of 1989, Avant-Garde recorded a third demo that they called Something Different. This was a six-song tape with three new songs and three re-recorded songs from the Purple demo. What? 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 
Finally, in early March of 1989, the band Avant-Garde relocated to Los Angeles. They all moved in together in an apartment at 1825 Cherokee Avenue. Later that year, they changed their name to Zoom on the suggestion of an attorney named Randall Cohen. In early 1990, the band recorded a new two-song demo, but it was hard to get gigs or any attention at all from the record industry. Drummer Bryn Much left the band right before they were evicted from their apartment. By the spring of 1990, Zoom was done. After Zoom split up, Rivers Cuomo met a drummer named Patrick Wilson and moved in with him and Wilson's friend Matt Sharp. Wilson and Cuomo formed a new band called Fuzz and enlisted Scotty Chapman on bass. Chapman quit after a few shows and in October of 1991, the band reformed as 60 Wrong Sausages with Cuomo's friend Pat Finn on bass and Jason Cropper on guitar. That band recorded a demo tape that they called the Cholesterol EP. On November 29, 1991, 60 Wrong Sausages performed at the Phoenix Theater in Petaluma, California, and Matt Sharp was there. But after a final practice on December 4th, 60 Wrong Sausages broke up.
During this same period, Wilson and Cuomo were writing songs for a new band they wanted to form. Rivers Cuomo compiled a cassette of his new songs and called it Weezer, as that is what his father used to call him as a child when he was annoyed by his constant asthma-induced wheezing. On February 14, 1992, Rivers Cuomo, Patrick Wilson, and Jason Cropper recruited Matt Sharp to be their bass player and started rehearsing the new songs at a studio in West Los Angeles. The third day of those rehearsals, February 16th, was recorded by a friend of the band named Carl Koch. During this period, the band had yet to decide on a name. That February 16th rehearsal tape was labeled with several possible band names, including Hummingbird, Outhouse, The Big Jones, and an old name, Fuzz. On March 19, 1992, Rivers Cuomo and Matt Sharp, along with former member of avant-garde Justin Fisher, moved into a house together at 2226 Amherst Avenue in Los Angeles. The building's garage soon became the band's rehearsal space. On the same day that Cuomo and Sharp moved into their new house, Cuomo called up Raji's nightclub, looking for a gig. That night, the band Dogstar was performing, and needed more bands to fill out the night's lineup. Cuomo accepted the offer, and the band started seriously discussing a name. Rivers suggested Weezer, the name he had given that demo tape, and the rest of the band agreed. So Weezer's very first performance happened after Keanu Reeves's band Dogstar played at Raji's, meaning that the majority of the audience had already left by the time Weezer took the stage. It is estimated that somewhere between 20 and 25 people witnessed the very first Weezer show. Weezer continued to play clubs around Los Angeles throughout the rest of 1992. On August 1st, 1992, Weezer recorded a demo they called The Kitchen Tape. It included their five most professional-sounding songs. Three months later, in November, Weezer recorded a third demo. Fans refer to this as The Real Demo. My name is Johnny. I'm carrying the world. Thanks for all you showed us. This is how we feel. Come sit next to me, pour yourself some tea. Just like Grandma made when you couldn't find sleep. Things were better then, once but never again. We've all left the dead and tell you about it. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. 
with Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. The next month, on December 11th, Weezer played a show with a band called Carnival Art which is when they met a guitar player named Brian Bell. A quote from Brian Bell, They started playing on the scene and I instantly saw something unique in them. I didn't necessarily want to be in their band. They were, for some reason, in with the wrong crowd and playing at the wrong venues. I wanted to help them out any way I could, and I wanted to play a show with them. By 1993, Weezer finally started attracting the attention of record labels, specifically an A&R guy named Todd Sullivan at Geffen. Todd asked Rivers and Matt to join him for dinner one night, and of course Matt did most of the talking. They discussed what kind of record the band wanted to make. On June 25, 1993, Sullivan signed Weezer to Geffen Records. Weezer originally wanted to produce their first album themselves, but Geffen encouraged them to use an established producer. The band, somewhat jokingly, mentioned Rick Ocasek, but Geffen called their bluff and asked Weezer to record a demo to send to Rick. Okasik was confused at first, not sure if they were a metal band or what. On August 11, 1993, Weezer flew to New York City to record a demo with Rick Okasik. They all hit it off. Rick and Rivers got along really well. So they would be making an album together, and they would do it at Electric Lady Studios. As the album neared completion... Rivers kicked guitarist Jason Cropper out of the band. Rumor has it that Jason was asked to leave because his girlfriend was pregnant. For a new band, it was important that every member was 100% on board and focused. According to Rico Kasich, Rivers re-recorded all of Jason's guitar parts in one day. After losing Jason, the band started feeling nervous and insecure about their future, losing a founding member right when the album was about to come out, was stressful. 
So they gave Brian Bell a call from that band Carnival Art and asked him to join. He brought with him a new excitement and enthusiasm. It was just what the band needed. In October of 1993, the recording of the debut album was finished and Weezer headed back to Los Angeles. So the self-titled debut album, now known as The Blue Album, came out in May of 1994, made it to number 16 on Billboard, and by 1995, it was certified triple platinum. So the album opens with My Name is Jonas, written by Rivers Cuomo, Patrick Wilson, and Jason Cropper. The music was initially composed by drummer Patrick Wilson and demoed to a four-track in late 1991 or early 1992. The demo featured a different melody. Jason Cropper came up with the finger-picked intro. My Name is Jonas is the only Weezer song to officially credit Cropper as a songwriter. The lyrics of the song were inspired by Rivers Cuomo's brother, who was having insurance problems after a serious car crash while at college. According to Cuomo, the song, quote, explains how the plan is reaming us all, especially my brother. What can I say about My Name is Jonas? I think it's a brilliant piece of work, a great way to kick off the album. I've always heard like an element of a sea shanty or something in this song, but at its heart, I think it's really a folk song, but with heavy guitars. The arrangement is killer. I love the energy and the emotion. It's bombastic and invigorating. There's a great build and then a huge release at the end. I think there are many ways to interpret the song, which is classic songwriting. Anyone can take the anger or the defiance and relate it to their own struggles. I think My Name is Jonas is an amazing song. Up next is a song called No One Else. They attempted it during the recordings for the kitchen tape, but they didn't finish it. The song was first played live in September of 1992 at the Coconut Teaser in LA. No One Else is actually the only song on the first Weezer album to be played in standard tuning. All of the other tracks were recorded tuned a half step down. So from my point of view, the song comes across as kind of a parody of a jealous, controlling douchebag. But in reality, it seems that it was really Rivers exposing his own deepest, darkest, shameful thoughts. So it's a challenging song, but it's presented in this pretty, melodic way. So another great song from a great songwriter, very talented and brave, if not troubled. It's obviously satirical to whatever degree. I would guess Rivers is imagining his own worst impulses amplified to like a sick degree or maybe he was this messed up at some point but obviously the narrator of this song is supposed to look bad not good at least i think so she says that for anyone, and if you see 
third song on the album is called The World Has Turned and Left Me Here. A quote from Rivers. No one else is the jealous, obsessive asshole in me freaking out my girlfriend. And the world has turned is the same asshole wondering why she's gone. Another quote from Rivers. I'm tempted to think that our song The World Has Turned and Left Me Here is about the day my girlfriend left me. I remember that sad day. I picked up my guitar and spilled tears of grief over those four sad chords. I think this is another brilliant approach to melody. That's the main talent on display here to me is melody. Simple but effective. But it's also such an interesting approach to storytelling, just this dark and confessional approach. This is another great song. So the first three songs on the record here in my opinion, are all great. Kenosha, Wisconsin's own Weezer! Oh, hey, hey. Please, try the fish. <laughs> Up next, Buddy Holly. A quote from Rivers. I was in the Santa Monica College Choir and I met a kid named Steve Graff who lent me his chord keyboard. Inspired by its goofy synth sounds, I decided to write some new wave influence songs. The chorus melody, though, I came up with as I was walking through the lawns of campus. The melody was in time to my steps. The lyrics I struggled with, trying to find the right reference point. An early version read, Ooh wee you, you look just like Ginger Rogers. I move just like Fred Astaire. The life situation that inspired the lyric was an incident in which the Weezer guys were making fun of my friend Kyung Hee, also in the Santa Monica College Choir. They were the homies dissing my girl. I rarely wrote lyrics about tensions between me and the guys in the band because I thought it would be awkward for us all to perform those songs together. In this case, though, it didn't seem like a big deal. So I think Buddy Holly is a very fun song, playful, catchy as hell. I mean, what's not to like? for more happy days. Bang, bang, knock, 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 knock,
Up next, the first single from the album, Undone, the sweater song. I never liked this song since the first time I heard it on the radio when Weezer were completely unknown. I think the song is stupid and annoying. Even if it worked, this was a ludicrous choice, in my opinion, for the first single. And it was just playing into the vibe at the time of anything that is weird is alternative. And weird is, uh, you know, there were numerous like novelty songs like this coming out. I guess after that, this might have been the first one. I don't know. I just remember this era of alternative or modern rock could be really fucking annoying. And some of the bands that had big hits were not nearly as talented as Weezer. And there were so many one-hit wonders in the 90s that were just, in my opinion, pretty much straight garbage. As for Undone the Sweater Song, I don't like it at all. All right, up next is a song called Surf Wax America. I don't like the verse very much. The chorus is catchy, but this song doesn't really work for me. It doesn't have it doesn't have the charm of Buddy Holly, and it certainly doesn't have any of the elements that make My Name is Jonas or World Has Turned great songs. I guess maybe it feels like filler. I don't know. Alright, up next, another brilliant piece of work called Say It Ain't So. Stellar arrangement, huge melodies. The quiet, loud dynamic is perfectly employed here. I love this song. I guess the inspiration for the lyrics came from an experience that Rivers had as a teenager when he found beer in the refrigerator. He had been afraid that his stepfather would leave the family mistakenly believing that alcoholism had contributed to the dissolution of the relationship between his mom and his actual father. So when he found the beer, he thought that was a sign that now his stepfather was also going to leave. So that's the line, somebody's cold one is giving me chills. Like father, stepfather, the son is drowning in the flood. So that's an interesting look at alcoholism and through a child's eyes even you know those lyrics are like a moment of release in the song it's very powerful and you can feel the emotion coming through i think this is an incredible song
Up next, the song called In the Garage. I think this song is pretty dumb and way too long. I mean, it's four minutes long. It doesn't have any of the heft or the dynamics of the best songs on this album. And it kind of, to me, trivializes the Weezer aesthetic. And just, they're better than this. Rivers is better than this. I've got posters on the wall. My favorite rock group kiss. I've got Ace Freely. I've got All right, up next, track nine. It's called Holiday. This song is all right, but really it's not up to par alongside the best material on the album. The way I would listen to this album really is skip the sweater song and then turn it off after Say It Ain't So. All right, last song on the album, Only in Dreams. I already said I would turn this album off after Say It Ain't So, so I don't really think this song is that great either. The killer melodies never arrive. It's eight minutes long, and it's kind of boring, at least for me. I think this is a fan favorite song for big Weezer fans. I'm a big fan of certain Weezer songs, but this song to me is just boring. At the end here, I wanted to mention a couple of really great B-sides that came out of this era. Songs that probably should have been on this album instead of like In the Garage or Surf Wax America. There's the song Michael and Carly, which was a B-side of the Sweater song. And that was about the band's fan club presidents. Of course, it became a very tragic story when Michael and Carly and their other sister Trista were killed in a car accident actually on their way to a Weezer show in Salt Lake City. But Michael and Carly is a really good song. Way better than this sweater song, in my opinion. Also, there's a B-side from Buddy Holly called Jamie. And that was actually a song that Rivers wrote about the band's attorney, (laughs) Jamie Young. And that's one of the few actually released recordings that features Jason Cropper on guitar. So those two songs I think could have made this an even better album if they had been included instead of the weaker, some of the weaker material. But my final verdict on this, the first Weezer album, is half of the album is pretty damn brilliant and half, you know, kind of mediocre maybe. But five tremendous songs is pretty damn good. So we know this was a big hit and following up a big success like this Never seems to be easy, especially for a personality like Rivers Cuomo. So we'll see how that plays out tomorrow when we talk about Weezer's next album, Pinkerton.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.